0: Welcome to The Hidden Bookcase. Come through and get cosy. Pick a book, your favourite book, that's the one that opens this room. Inside you'll find a warm fire, a loving cat and a wide skylight to the stars.
1: And a dangerously high to be read pile.
0: I'm Morgan, I use they them pronouns and I am a righteous lesbian
1: ghost. I'm Soren. I use he him pronouns and I'm a suitcase full of erotica.
0: We've been friends for over a decade and are always swapping books.
1: Each fortnight we take it in turns to recommend one another a favourite read. The first-time reader tells us what they know about the book, makes some predictions about what they don't, and then we discuss our thoughts with all of you bookworms. On our shelf this month is sequels. So
0: today let's get to talking about...
1: A Restless Truth by Freya Mask. So usually we talk about our history with the book, but I suppose we've kind of already talked about our history with the series, Mm. in that I got this from the library with absolutely no clue about what it was about, apart from the fact that it was in the fantasy section and it was available, and then I loved it. And then I recommended it to Morgan. So one of the first episodes we recorded for The Hidden Book Case. I don't think it was one of the first ones out. I think it was sort of middle of the year. Mm. And then you also liked it.
0: Loved it. And now here we are with our little ARC copies because we were recording this. Like
1: We're recording this on release day. <laughs>
0: yeah. But this won't released for like three months, but... We know in our hearts that we had
1: art copies. So Morgan, what's this book about?
0: This book is about Maud Blythe, who is Robin's sister, who is the protagonist of the first book, and it is about her journey back to the UK from New York after she was tasked with going to find one of the old ladies who has a piece of the contract. Within five seconds, she's kind of fumbled it a little bit because the old lady is dead. <laughs> and uh it's about her trying to figure out who killed mrs navanby and also getting closer with a mysterious actress lady who she is immediately simping for
1: shall we listen to our blind react because i think we made some
0: predictions <laughs> <Maybe>
1: <laughs> I... It didn't come too
0: <laughs> I already know i have to hang my head in shame over some of those predictions <laughs> soren as the person who's read a marvelous light twice what are your predictions for the sequel
1: Okay, so we have some predictions that we discussed last episode, which I'm going to try and zoom through. Our predictions from last episode were as follows. The blonde woman who gets mentioned in Robin's visions is Hawthorne's sister, and she's still alive. There are not three pieces of the contract, there are four pieces of the contract, because four women went to get the pieces of the contract. We have mentioned a cup, a knife, and a coin. And also those things almost correspond to the four suits of Tarot, which are wand, cup, sword, and pentacle or coin. So that's suspicious. We think that there's a wand. Maybe the fae have the wand. Maybe somebody else has the wand. Also regarding Robin's visions, one of those four old women is going to die, and Robin's going to see it because he saw it in a vision. I think Robin sees all of his visions from his own point of view, based on the way that he's been describing them and the way some of them match up in book one. I don't think they're disembodied. He thinks they're disembodied. I think he's wrong. Um... (laughs) You have theories about Edwin's magic regarding Britain.
0: So I think that the magic system is geographically based. And I think that once they leave Britain, that they won't be covered by the same contract that governs magic. And there's maybe different contracts for different locations. And that's why magic is slightly different in different places. So I think that Edwin's magic is going to get weaker. Maybe it gets suddenly stronger and he doesn't know why. It's because he's near a, a different piece of a contract or something like that you know what that
1: makes me think actually Mm -hmm. because we were discussing before as well hawthorne losing his magic allegedly maybe hawthorne hasn't lost his magic maybe he's bought into another contract if he's built into a contract in america then he won't be able to do british magic anymore so when he's in britain
0: Yo, that's so true.
1: And maybe that's why Hawthorne's sister was so powerful. Maybe she had more than one type or something. I don't know. But then presumably she was in Britain, so that doesn't quite match up.
0: Speaking of Hawthorne's sister, I'm going to call it now. This is an absolute crack theory. Almost definitely not true. But the new character that we're meeting, who is the love interest, whose name is Violet, I'm going to call it now. She is secretly Hawthorne's sister in disguise. That's my current theory.
1: If you're right, that would be so so good. We should also say what we know about it. So it's set on a boat it's a murder mystery ish Mm -hmm. i think apparently it's a little bit influenced by the titanic even though it's set a little bit before the titanic which Mm -hmm. bodes very well for our characters i know mask was tweeting something about magical sex toys on the boat so (laughs) don't know
0: (laughs) the only thing i've seen say on twitter is that the alternate tagline for this book could be roar me like one of your french girls so,
1: <laughs> I think Violet and Maud are going to be having fun on the boat. I'm pretty sure we're not getting point of view chapters from Robin and Edwin, which I'm a little bit sad about. But we Trudging. will get it We will. Are we going to
0: get it. Violet POV or is it? Just I assume
1: so because she is the love interest. Do we have any other wild guesses?
0: There's a bird cage on the cover, so we're going to be talking about freedom.
1: Is Violet a magician? Well, I mean, you think it's Hawthorne's sister, so I guess so.
0: Violet is everything Maud was trained to distrust, yet can't help but desire a magician, and an actress, oh. and a magnet <laughs> for scandal.
1: Oh, okay. I, I didn't know this. <laughs> Ooh, an actress. That lends credence to your disguise story, though. Yeah. Oh, also, I think, I'm not sure if it'll happen this book or next bit, but also based on Robin's visions, I'm assuming that Edwin and Hawthorne are gonna make up. I think that's everything. Do you have anything <laughs> to add?
0: Mm, not really
1: future me is listening to this right now I'm being like Christ sakes I understand the recording
0: oh mine's eight and a half minutes on audacity yep. <laughs> <laughs> no. Okay. well I need listeners to know that the blind that we just listened to was eight and a half minutes long
1: <laughs> with much discussion about whether we should edit it down Okay, look, we need to address the elephant in the room. Violet's not Hawthorne's (laughs) sister. And that that was a weird (laughs) thing to go in thinking might be a (laughs) possibility, Unfortunately,
0: I realised I was wrong when he was two fingers deep. Okay. (laughs) Do not
1: look at me. I also had that in my head. I was like, ooh, maybe. And then they flirted at dinner and I was like, oh, maybe not. And then she turned up in his cabin and was like, you know me. And she was faking her accent. I was like, maybe she is. Maybe she's just really committed to trying to be stealth. And then things escalated. And I was like, never, (laughs) never mind. Never mind. (laughs) That's not the case. Okay.
0: No, we move on from that assumption pretty quickly. It's good. We didn't spend like half the book thinking it. And then. Oh,
1: God. Yeah, that would have been weird. Oh, God. (laughs) I can't even remember what else we talked about (laughs) There was lots of things we were wrong on. Yes. I was totally wrong about Robin's vision thing. Maybe he's seeing through Maud's eyes sometimes. I think, yeah. Because all of the things that happened, she saw directly maybe because they're related. I don't know.
0: I feel like there's a lot of things that we theorise that might be confirmed in book three. The whole geographical magic system, they mm. like mention it once. They're like, how come people can do magic in different countries? Anyway, we're not going to unpack that right now.
1: Well, I guess it makes sense in retrospect, because when they were talking about it, I was like, oh, yeah, because it's like a familial contract. So I guess if you're saying my descendants should be able to draw on magic, and if magic is mm. everywhere, but it would make sense that people not descended from those three original families would have to have another contract.
0: Yeah, so can we address that bit, please? Yeah,
1: I'm very curious. we got a little bit of magic in different countries.
0: Yeah, I would like more of it, please.
1: Also, it's clear that Hawthorne definitely does not have magic, I think, because there were some emergency situations there where he wouldn't Mm. be lying about it. But we still don't know why he was in the States in the first place, is that correct or have I just felt
0: I don't know should I go get
1: the first book? Would that help? No, he doesn't say in the first book, does he? He just says like urgent business. Stop talking to me, Edwin.
0: I don't know if we know. Hawthorne is such a mystery in this book. I kind of love him, but he's a he's a mystery.
1: I really love how he was written. I still can't forgive him for outing Edwin. Mm. Even if he was clocking Robin and was like, this man knows that Edwin's gay already, it's fine.
0: Truly, this book was the teddy verification of Hawthorne, though. (laughs) Maud, my beloved, she just barrels in and is like, everyone will love me because I have a sunshine personality. And, you know, I did. I loved her and so did everyone else. She's like, you will be my friend. There is no choice.
1: You will be my soldier. I'm enlisting you. Love that metaphor.
0: And you're part of the army. And you, random person who literally (laughs) broke into this cabin.
1: Random guy who we found asleep on the floor. (laughs) I'm thinking that they might be book three. Hawthorne and Ross. Hawthorne and Ross, yeah. I'm seeing it. Because there's
0: something up with Ross, and we need to know Hawthorne's backstory,
1: so. Yeah, the illusion thing. And then it would be three magicians with someone who's something else, Robin having foresight and Maud being a medium, and then Mm. whatever the hell is going on with Ross.
0: And they were were putting down vibes,
1: both of them. They were putting down so many vibes. But uh, apparently his sister is actually dead.
0: I'm still not going to believe it. No proof until I see the body.
1: (laughs) It was like 10 years ago. (laughs) I don't care. Maybe Hawthorne saw.
0: Well, I guess I'll have to find out in book three.
1: If he saw it, would you take that as
0: <laughs> No, I need to personally climb into the novel yeah. and see it with my own two flesh and blood eyes. Otherwise it never happened. <laughs> okay, fair enough. I've never believed anything that's ever happened in a book in my life.
1: I'm willing to entertain the possibility now that she might actually be dead, but obviously she hasn't killed herself because she was too powerful. That's clearly not what's gone on here.
0: Yeah, no. I still think there's a fourth part of the contract. I'm holding out for it.
1: I think that's possible still. I don't think Serafina has it, now Mm. that we've met her. Yeah. But maybe the Fae have it.
0: We've got to meet some Fae. Come on.
1: My little conspiracy that there was a fourth side of the contract came a lot from the fact that there were four girls. Mm. It's still theoretically possible.
0: This is a prediction for book three, but- Go for um, it. Let's throw it in anyway. I think that Ross is part
1: Fae. Ooh, that would be interesting, because illusion didn't work on him, which is kind of like lying. Mm. Mm. Does Ross lie? He must lie. He's a jewel thief. <laughs> Does he actually lie outright at any point during this book? I can't remember now. I
0: have to reread it.
1: He's very honest about his feelings towards Hawthorne. True.
0: What are the rules of the Fae in this world? We don't know yet.
1: Exactly, exactly. I'm just assuming that they can't lie. Oh, I like that as a theory.
0: Magic's a little hinky, and we've got to get to the Fae somehow, so
1: Oh, that's good. What else? We didn't really get any of Edwin's magic going weird because Edwin was not there. Um I think we both assumed that Edwin and Robin would just be on this boat.
0: But no. I feel like the epilogue, literally nothing happened in the epilogue. It was just like, I need to put Robin and Edwin in here somewhere, otherwise the fans will be mad.
1: I got very emotional at the epilogue. I was like, I missed them so much. I mean, I feel like they were very present. It was very sweet seeing the relationship that Maud had built up with edwin
0: yes oh my god
1: i was obsessed with the fact that they like each other
0: everything she's like i'm gonna report that back to edwin i'm gonna report <laughs> that back to edwin like oh my god edwin would love this and i'm like it was so cute oh, you're literally adorable i love you so much
1: she's just like i've acquired another brother and also i'm so happy that edwin now has a sibling who's not terrible this is great honestly that little bit when they're both hiding in the car and she realizes that the rune is going to override the hiding spell because of what edwin said even listening to him info dump this is so cute
0: so smart yeah and um, the way she holds up edwin and robin as like the paragons of love this kiss that she's describing when she's like i've seen three kisses in my
1: life and like this was one she was allowed to see and it's so soft i was also very relieved because i couldn't remember did robin tell Maud the extent of his relationship with edwin i can't remember I now remember. But obviously she knows now, which is great. And I was like, fantastic. Yeah. There's no awkward hiding situation going on here. That's sweet. Yeah. And I guess Robin has been like, I'm not going to lie to my sister. So that does make a lot yeah. of sense.
0: But also Violet knows and Hawthorne knows. And I'm like, we're being a little bit loose with this secret.
1: <laughs> yeah. It's like, I know that you're just very excited because you've met other queer people. But maybe... <laughs> maybe don't just tell everyone especially Hawthorne who is Edwin's ex I mean I guess she didn't know that but she had that feeling she was suspecting it she nearly asked over that game of chess and then they got interrupted
0: Mm. honestly Maud was giving such great oh my god I've never met queer people before energy like oh my god a queer friendship group literally reading porn to each other and acting out I was like that is such a like queer friendship group at 3am moment it was so funny I love how she treats the
1: two guys. She just assumes they're along for the ride. Speaking of the two guys and Maud discovering her queerness, I do find it very funny that Violet was trying to explain what um, sapphic attraction was to Maud and was like, it's basically the same thing as when you're attracted to men. And Maud was like, can't relate. (laughs) Well, have you to assume? (laughs) Sorry, I've never heard of that, actually.
0: My favourite quote on her journey and discovery, though... Is when they're talking about it and then she goes i wonder she thought if it runs in the family like magic that was so funny <laughs> <laughs> i know that robin's gay therefore maybe i'm gay oh my god
1: that's definitely how it works <laughs> speaking of things that run in the family though i'm not sure if it made it into the episode last time but we talked about how edwin's very autistic coded mm. and i think about how robin is adhd coded more mm. here as well this feels very intentional actually
0: the adhd coding of like having to do stuff with our hands when she's learning and pacing about all the time jackhammering between ideas
1: also she had that little thing about the governess the one that was like oh it's okay that you jump around between things
0: jack of all trades master of none exactly should we go through our structure
1: (laughs) we probably should (laughs) the cover the cover that's what we need to talk about i think it's pretty it seems to match the first one quite well yeah The cage. You pointed out the cage on the cover. The cage was so important.
0: It was there all along. We should have known.
1: Even more in your face than the ring because you're actively looking at it the whole time. And yet. And yet. I had no idea where the contract was. I was trying because I was like, I know it will be in some unassuming object. And I just completely missed it. I don't know if you had an inkling or if...
0: No. My brain was just like, look at the lesbians go. I love this for them.
1: I was like, I want to know because I missed the ring. And it was the first thing that got mentioned. And then yeah, again, Dorian is basically the first thing that gets mentioned. And I was still like, well, a parrot. It just didn't (laughs) occur to me.
0: I didn't get the pun until the very end, though, that his name is Dorian and he's an African grey. I didn't get the Dorian Gray pun and I was like, I should have guessed that this woman was (laughs) queer. It's a swirly cover. It's pretty. It's got the same slightly clashing orange, but like it matches the first one. I like the colour scheme
1: of the first one a bit better, but this is still good.
0: This one gives ocean vibes. Mm, It does. I wonder what the flowers are.
1: Maybe they're beside you. I don't know what they look like.
0: Let's have a look.
1: Nope, that's like bright yellow.
0: But the shape itself is quite similar. Maybe. The language of flowers is going to be important later on i'm calling it now
1: yeah how do we feel about the writing style i feel like the writing style is going to be a bit of a skimmed over because i feel like it's just still very good mask has not forgotten how to write
0: (laughs) she's so effortlessly funny Mm. i feel like this is a good time to compare her to Tamsin wa who wrote gideon the ninth i feel like they have very different writing styles but also similar writing styles and sort of acerbic wit and then blindsiding you with feelings completely i love that
1: there were one or two times, because I was listening to this as an audiobook and walking around in public, that I was trying not to actually laugh.
0: <laughs> who do we think is who on the cover? We've got to have this debate.
1: Oh, I mean, I, I feel like it's easy this time because Violet yeah. specifically is supposed to be quite tall. So yeah, that must be Violet on the right. And
0: she's got the wide shoulders. You know, she's yeah. dominating the space. We love that. And they're both almost touching each other. It looks like they could be touching, but you just know there's a couple inches between the hands. It's
1: all about the anticipation. For
0: the first book, they were far apart. And for the second book, mm. they're closer. So maybe the third book, Ross and Hawthorne is going to be going for it on I the make cover.
1: Make it out on the cover.
0: <laughs> I'm manifesting it now. Frame mask, let's go. Come on.
1: It fits them quite well, because I guess Edwin and Robin originally don't really like each other. I mean, they do. But, you know, on the surface, they don't like each other. These two are very curious about each other from the off. mm They do have disagreements, but that's after their initial spark. There's
0: just immediate vibes.
1: As soon as Maud walks into the dining room and starts describing Violet, it's like, there she is, the life (laughs) interest.
0: Instant simp. (laughs) Who is your favourite character?
1: This is much harder this time, I think, because I really appreciated Hawthorne's writing. Speaking of the wit, he was very funny a lot of the time, (laughs) but then I was trying to harbour this dislike of him because of Edwin. (laughs) I really appreciated how nuanced he felt as a character. Mm. Finding out more about him, finding out about the Binding Curse and the fact that he's been dealing with this the whole time. I remember initially when he talked about having lost his magic and then Edwin says, oh, he didn't really like me doing magic around him. I was kind of like, come on, Hawthorne, it's not Edwin's fault. Now I'm kind of like, ah... I feel a bit mad now. <laughs> there's probably something extremely <laughs> traumatic going on there, which to be fair, I should have guessed, because his sister and him losing his magic cabinet at a similar times, so there's clearly some kind of relationship there. But I really loved Violet. And I think I had a little bit of advice towards Violet just because of the audiobook narrator. She did such a fantastic job with everyone. But Violet, she had like the smoky voice that gets described and she had like the tinge of New York accent. And she's also very funny, so it was just really fun hearing her talk, honestly. Nice. How about you?
0: I think it has to be Maud. Hmm. I just love a character who's been so psychologically screwed up by their parents and is like <laughs> manifesting actively every day to not be that way. A character who's effortlessly good, but can't fundamentally believe themselves be good. Oh, it's so good. Every single time. She's just so sunshine and lovely, but also believes herself fundamentally flawed. Wanting to not fail Robin and believing she has the whole time. All he wants is for her to make it home. But also being like, yeah, I will go after Violet." i will go for what i want i feel like with naive quote-unquote characters it's very Mm -hmm. easy to make them very one note very much like they don't know anything and they're willing to just be led whereas maude is such a multi-dimensional character she knows a lot about the world but only about certain parts of the world and she wants to know more but she's also not willing to be
1: treated like a child yeah and just
0: the way she's like we are equals in this relationship i i love it I love her so much.
1: Peripherally to that, the way that they unspooled the relationship with Violet being a lot more experienced and Maud being new to it, I thought Mask's balance of that was really, really good because it was believable that Maud didn't understand all aspects of it. There were things that were just new to her that, again, she had a confidence that didn't diminish in those situations. It would have been very easy to do the romance trope of the blushing virgin, if you will. She was, as you said, very willing to go after what she wants in those situations as well i'm not ashamed of it which was nice
0: speaking of that the fact that at the beginning of the trip she's like i've never read any porn in my life and by the end she's read the entire suitcase i'm like when did you have the time Maud?
1: she's a speed reader
0: (laughs) she's hyper fixating and we love that for her just running down the corridors being chased by magic and with one hand like a book open (laughs)
1: That is a wonderful <laughs> mental image.
0: It was just never relevant to her journey. I
1: got mildly concerned when Mrs. Navenby started possessing her because I was like, is this going to... Then I realised it was the necklace and she could just take it off and I was like, oh, they can still have privacy. That was a good way of doing that. I was like, oh no, we're going to have to put everything on hold here.
0: Mm. Oh, I just loved how... Effortlessly complex all the characters were hmm. once again. I love the stage talk for Violet and the metaphor yes. and the speech that she does at the end in her mind where she's like, this is how I would say this to you if I could say it yet.
1: Yes. And then Maud meeting her in that language and saying, think of it like a rehearsal, something that you're going to say. That was so cute.
0: The focus on truth was so interesting and nuance in this book and a lot mm. of the times you'll have a character who's like i refuse to ever tell a lie and i refuse to associate people who will ever tell lies you know very much like lawful good quite annoying as a character
1: <laughs> it can be
0: <laughs> but then the way that it was done with Maud, a violet realizing that actually lying is easier when you tell the truth mm. and just twist it slightly but Maud also realizing actually the truth is a very big ask for a lot of people yeah and sort of like rolling back on it and going, "I am sorry, I didn't realize what I was asking of you. please don't let me overstep while I learn to get boundaries was such an interesting take on that that I've not seen before?
1: Yeah, I completely adored that. I wasn't expecting it at all. I didn't really realize the time frame until at one point someone said, "Oh, it's only been three days, and I was like, "Oh my goodness." <laughs> Maud step off and then actually the conclusion not being that Violet had to be coaxed out of her shell yet that Maud should really just wait I was really pleasantly surprised by that you have only known each other for like a week and Violet's got a lot of fresh trauma here
0: Maud's out here trying to u-haul and Violet's give me a sec
1: exactly (laughs) hang on
0: although Violet then immediately being like can I give you some of my inheritance
1: yeah, so... That's extremely valid of her, though. To be fair, I guess the inheritance is a less vulnerable thing. She's
0: like, what do I need this for?
1: Lavish parties where everyone is in the nude, of course.
0: Exactly. Being a chaotic patron of the arts.
1: That was a cute little subplot as well. I appreciate it. I'm not ignoring the fact that racism exists in this cosy historical fantasy, and actually including some characters who aren't white. Again, it wasn't super spotlighted, so it'd be nice to see a bit more of it in book three. Mm. I did love all of the fun new things we learned about the magic system mainly from Violet, like the fact that you can use magic as sign language. Cradle speak, oh my god. Incredibly cool, I'm obsessed with that.
0: I wish we'd learned more about the rings. American magic, I think because we were so treated in the first book, because we had Edwin, who was so fascinated about how magic (laughs) works. Yeah, we were. We got to Violet and she's like, yeah, I use rings and it makes me more powerful. And it's like, could you elaborate a little bit? (laughs) No? Okay.
1: there you go and we got the little thing that Punjabi magic sometimes has spoken components to it mm. and then once again I heard nothing else i'm like give it to me i am also edwin in this situation because what was talking about edwin like frothing at the mouth over this and i'm like Saved.
0: <laughs> tell me more i want to know i want to see edwin get some rings in book three
1: yeah i think it's what he deserves this might be completely wrong but i thought i saw mask tweeting about writing edmund's point of view for book three so i'm severely hoping that we get everyone's point of view in book three
0: if book three could just be like twice the length like a good 800 pages
1: yes that's totally fine yeah yeah
0: that's what i want or even just like four books you know so we have a book with hawthorne and ross and then we have a multi-chapter POV vibe
1: i feel like we can't possibly resolve it all in exactly but i'm pretty sure mask is done writing it and is writing something else for national variety month as we speak so
0: okay so it has to be 800 just give me that that's all i need
1: god i don't think i can wait an entire year i'm gonna die
0: right this is the problem with getting arcs
1: mm.
0: a no one you can talk to about it and b
1: you have to wait longer you have
0: to wait longer. and also
1: i read it first in april and then we recorded around may or something mm. so we only had like a six month kind of gap between book one and book two for us mm-hmm. But now we have to wait a year.
0: Prayer Mask, if you just want to send us ARC copies of A Power Bound*, yeah. you've got advocates over here, so we will, we will hype it up for you.
1: <laughs> if you feel like it, that would be great. Should we talk about the little acknowledgement that trans people exist? I don't know how I felt about that.
0: When was that again?
1: violet talks about it when she talks about sometimes wearing men's clothes for theater she's like oh they think it's funny when men dress up as women and vice versa but they think it's less funny when someone chooses to do that outside of the stage mm, yes and then Maud is like one of the suffragettes that i hang out with is a trans woman and then basically Maud is like are you saying that you're and then violet's like god no which i was a bit like okay i <laughs> can just say no
0: yeah i did like how it was kind of just woven in there a little
1: bit i would love to see a trans character as a protagonist in one of these manifesting right now trans ross trans ross it could be trans we wouldn't know
0: maybe just all trans people are immune to magic they're actually that's their superpower
1: that would suck though because what if you want magic for cool reasons or yeah, sexy true. reasons because it's
0: you know i was gonna say it's gonna make all the sex in book three so much less
1: spicy exactly tragic we'll see how it goes. <laughs> I did enjoy the scene where Maud was like, you should focus on this illusion to distract yourself. That was a fun use of magic again. Less plot critical this time, but still fun.
0: Yeah. And the little fishes.
1: The fish, that was cute. I was glad that the girls were basically as thirsty as Edwin and Robin for each other. <laughs> so I was hoping and I was assuming that they would be because I trust my But you love to see it. They were just so <laughs> They were, they were. It was so horny. Although I've got to say, I think if I knew there was a murderer on a boat, even if the door was locked, I would be like, I'm not in the mood.
0: You know, maybe danger gets me in the mood.
1: I'm happy for them. Maud wanted an adventure. She got one.
0: Exactly.
1: I really want to know what she told them about Violet at the end, Edwin and Robin. She just starts with the parrot and then it ends, which is cute. Good ending line. But also, I just think it would be funny if Robin's like, wow, it does run in the... (laughs) (laughs)
0: She's like, so uh, actually I'm going to start with, I met this girl... And and then like she completely forgets about the murder mystery
1: <laughs> at the end. Edwin's like, what about the contract?
0: And she's like, oh yeah, Miss Navenby's is dead. And they're like,
1: what? She's giving all of the like we played badminton together, and then we got snow cones, and then she told me about when she killed a man, a <laughs> really romance,
0: and then she killed a man for me, like right in front of me. Oh my god! And also, I made friends with Hawthorne. I can't wait
1: for Edwin's reaction to that. I mean, I don't know if we're gonna get it, but I really bloody well hope we do.
0: I think Maud is gonna like force everyone to sit in a room together, and they're gonna be giving each other evil eyes over the counter, and then Maud's gonna be like aggressively trying to make them friends. Couples counsel everybody.
1: Maud holds another seance and gets the ghost of a therapist to let them talk through their problem. Speaking of predictions that didn't come true when I started reading, I totally thought Dorian was going to have some instrumental piece of evidence towards the murder that would point them to who did it because he can talk. My housemate plays ace attorney, what could I say? I was like, put the parrot on the stand. I thought he was going to have overheard some important piece of dialogue. (laughs) If Chapman had been like, I, Chapman, have just murdered a woman, and then Dorian repeated it,
0: (laughs) it would have been solved so much easier. God damn!
1: Gosh, I guess we'll keep Dorian around now, though, because he lives with Violet now, technically. Yes. Got a little mascot for the gang. But
0: does the dog die? He better not.
1: No, I don't think we will kill Dorian. We've already killed several old women. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Can we talk about
1: how cool Seraphina is as a villain? Yes. She's very cool. I want to know more about her whole deal. We only got her backstory through Mrs. Malvin so that was kind of a dreary move.
0: What is her plan once the contract is assembled? Because she's like, yeah, obviously, I won't rest until my work is done. Like, tell us the work. You clearly have like a more nuanced plan for how like actually sharing out the power will go, but you need to explain it.
1: It's interesting. The first book being so much about consent, you very much do come out on the side of well, you can't just take people's power without like consent. Therefore, but then there is still the issue of some people don't get any magic and some people do. And it kind of seems like she wants everyone to have some, as in people who aren't from magician families even, not just people like Reggie or Adelaide who just didn't get born with any. Mm. they do have a point the people who are like let's share out the contract
0: all the best villains do
1: of course and i mean you see it in book one what's the vetting process seraphina you're making them take like a morality test you're just going to give some even amount to everyone are you going to throw more people off the side of a boat in the process because that doesn't seem great
0: also the cost of the contract she's like oh everyone else chickened out and was like what's the cost of the contract it's like oh blood it always is Human sacrifice. That's what I'm expecting. Like, full-on human sacrifice. Because if it was a little bit of blood, they wouldn't be that squeamish.
1: That's true. Hmm, yeah. Wait, um, how did her parents die? Did they say?
0: It was strongly implied that she quite graphically murdered her father.
1: So maybe that was what it was. Maybe it was for the contract.
0: But honestly, I love that as well. Absolute icon. Murder your abusers. I mean, uh, I do not condone uh, murder.
1: Uh, (laughs) so yeah maybe maybe that was the blood in question maybe it was her father's blood also how is she the one that ended up without a piece of the contract if she's the one that paid the toll that seems
0: but i don't think her father's murder was involved in it i think that was something that was done privately i think that was like separate thing
1: there's something about the contract between the house and the people living in it becoming irreversibly corrupted which i think made me think at the time that maybe the house just sort of ate him (laughs) which we would love very yellow wallpaper
0: yeah two months later mr and mrs hope disappeared first her and then him the keepers searched them but not very hard not once the servants began to speak out the assembly cleared their collective throats and moved on there are some things that no blood pact will forgive was all sarah ever said the
1: blood pact not forgiving made me think that the house did it if you see what i mean
0: that makes sense
1: but now i'm like what if she killed her parents if she did kill her parents it would be not connected to the contract so morgan how would you rate a restless Truth*? what are your final thoughts
0: five out of five
1: five out of five
0: yeah I just, I had so much fun reading it. I kept doing the fan fiction smile as it's known when I was reading it, just (laughs) like smirking all the time. I think that I enjoyed the first one more, Mm -hmm. but that was a six out of five and this is a five out of five. Yeah. Definitely one of my favorite books this year. It was fun. It was vibey. It did a lot of things I wanted it to. It left me with more questions and answers, which, you know, I love. And I just want more, please, now what about you?
1: I think this is just a four out of five for me. It's so almost a five that I feel very cruel saying this. I also liked the first one more. I was getting a bit sick of the ship setting by the end of it. I got a bit claustrophobic, I guess. Mystery wise, I just wasn't quite as absorbed. And I don't really know why, which is one of the reasons why I feel kind of hesitant to say this because it doesn't feel fair but I'm just going to go with my heart here. It's very good. And I would say second sequels in trilogies. I think it's a really hard one to write and it's really difficult to come off the heels of even the most fantastic first book ever and match that energy. And I feel like this does do it. So incredibly complimentary for five for me. Okay. <laughs> and do you have any recommendations for people that enjoyed Restless Truth?
0: I'm going to do something a bit rogue here. Go for it. Um, I'm going to recommend one of our previous books. I'm going to recommend Gideon the Ninth by Tamsin Warrer. Because you've got murder mystery, you've got chaotic queer people, you've got focus on a Willowa will relationship, you've got lots of sex jokes, even if there isn't necessarily sex, you've got the sort of humorous writing with the, like, gut-punch writing, you've got the fact that it's written by a fanfic author, so she gets what the vibe is, she knows what people want. That's literally all I could think of.
1: <laughs> My only
0: other recommendation, mm-hmm. possibly would be the Wayfarer series by Becky Chambers. Mm, mm -hmm. Because, you know, stuck on a ship, queer people everywhere, maybe less of the murder vibes and the sex vibes. But, you know, what about you, Saren?
1: If you liked this, then I would definitely recommend, I'm going to recommend the second one in the series, but I I mean, the series is very good. The Lady's Guide to Petticoats and Piracy by Mackenzie Lee. It's also set on a boat. It's also got feminism. It's also got sapphics. It's also historical fiction with a touch of fantasy. Less fantasy in that series than this. The fantasy elements are a lot more prominent here. It's got dragons, so that's pretty cool. (gasps) Oh my gosh. And that one, to be fair, the sapphic relationship isn't like the heart of it because the protagonist is Ace Arrow, but it's still very good and it had like a very similar vibe. Like it just reminded me of it reading it. And then the first Mm. one honestly has quite a lot of shades of a marvellous light in it. So if you're enjoying this series so far, definitely go check out those. Mm.
0: i do love sort of like historical fantasy mlm in the first book focus on the sister in the second book.
1: <laughs> exactly very specific pattern and then put her on a boat
0: <laughs> <laughs> have i read this book yet no but it's on my recommendation list so next time we will be reading harrow the ninth by tamzin wo which is the second book in the locked tomb series i'm so excited we have already done gideon the ninth with our guest zoe who will be returning Woo. for this episode and i have read it soren has not uh i'm going absolutely feral about this one because it is my favorite book in the series oh but i will say nothing more otherwise i will go on for hours and everything will be ruined so <laughs> until then you're always welcome through the bookcase
1: don't forget to scratch the cat on your way out thank you for listening to the hidden bookcase a production of plain up prod in this episode you heard morgan greensmith and soren brywood discussing a restless truth by Freya mars you can find out more about Arrestless Truth at FreyaMask.com, and you can follow Mask at Freyamask on Twitter. You can find The Hidden Bookcase on Twitter at Hidden Bookcase, and on Instagram, Facebook, Tumblr, and TikTok at Hidden Bookcase Podcast. Find out more about Planar Prod at planarprod.com. Know what we should read next, or want to chat to us about what you thought of this episode's read? You can reach us at thehiddenbookcase at gmail.com, or send us a DM on social media. We'd love to hear from you. If you're enjoying The Hidden Bookcase, please consider leaving us a rating or a review, or you can always tell a friend how to find us. You always visit the best way for bookworms to discover our show. On our next episode, which will be out on Monday, the 20th of March, we'll be discussing Harry the Ninth* by Tamzin Worth, the second book in the Locked Tomb series, alongside returning guest Zoe Davis. We hope to see you then, and in the meantime, you're always welcome through the bookcase.